point of the off season where I am going through YouTube highlight packs of random Red Wings goal compilations. Um, I finished up a Joe Valeno goal compilation uh, like an hour ago. And I don't know if everyone is aware, but he had eight goals last year. Not a very long compilation. So that's where we're at. Uh, Michael Rasmussen won, surprisingly kind of fun. I, I had a good time watching that. Um, <laughs> but welcome to the Production Line Podcast. We are fully in the offseason. I'm your host, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And Andy. Andy, welcome back. Thanks, fella. It's been a minute. It's been like a month since we've we've seen you. What have you been up to? Uh, golfing. Got like two weddings I was in. Or I'm in one this coming weekend. Work. So, sh- so should we do a little story time of what you sent us on Friday? <clears throat> Friday night. Yeah, Friday night. When I was golfing. Yeah, I was half in the bag, but I yeah. the pictures were funny. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So we're golfing at Crimson Ridge in Sioux, Ontario, and I step into the 16th tee box. I hear wrestling behind me. I was like in the bush. I'm like, what the hell's going on? There's a wedding going on. So I was like, oh, some people are just taking a piss in the bush. I look over at my buddy. I was like, that guy kind of looks like Alex Tuck. And he turns around and goes, how's the round going, fellas? I was like, oh, yeah, good, good. And then he comes walking out of the bush to like the tee box. I'm like, dude, that's got to be Alex Tuck. And he goes, what are you guys doing? Like, uh, how are you guys shooting or whatever? And we just like small talk to that. I looked at him. I was like, hey, man, like, I don't mean to be that guy, but are you Alex Tuck? He goes, yeah, nice to meet you. I'm Alex. I go, oh, shit. He's like, do you mind if I hit a few? And then another guy comes walking out of the bush. He goes, yeah, can we hit some? And it was, I was like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. I'm like, look at him. I can't like picture, like, can't like make out who he is. Turns out it's Shea Theodore. They're in town for Colin Miller's wedding. And like, the wedding venue, like the tent and everything like that, is right beside the 16th tee box. So they're just sneaking out, take a piss. I was like, oh, what are the odds of that? <clears throat> but uh, then we got like later saw Cody Eakin was there, and Malcolm Subban, Rust, who lives in town, Miller, obviously, Trevor Daly, like a bunch of local guys. But was not expecting to see uh, Shea Theodore, Cody, Alex Tuck, or Cody Eakin there. That's for sure. I love like just the casual name drops. That's definitely been the most name drops on this on this podcast today. <laughs> yeah, was, I was like, I looked over, I couldn't believe myself. Is uh, is Cody Eakin still balling out with the hair right now, or what is he looking like? He's got a mullet. Oh Both my ones. god! <laughs> Someone signed this man. He's still an unrestricted free agent. Get him under yeah. contract. Full blown mullet, like shaved down Joe Dirt style with a mustache. Oh gosh, good. you should have got a picture with him. I was too afraid to ask because, like, I felt bad asking, like, yeah, Harry Alex because, like, they get that all the time. I'm assuming, yeah, that's probably especially when they're on an off weekend just drinking and pissing in bushes. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but like, I mean, uh, probably, probably shouldn't say he's pissing in a bush, but that's what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. You, have, you have no, you have no proof that he was doing it, so you can say whatever you want, like, you can just deny it. It's fine. That's true. He was. He was in the bush wrestling around looking for golf balls. So that was- yeah, that's what he's doing. <laughs> there we go. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, on this episode, on this episode, uh, I guess to kind of get back on track, um, we have a little bit of Red Wing news. We'll touch on uh, Jake Wallman signing extension, um, Philip Zadina, uh, what's going on there, and of course the World Juniors, which uh, are happening? Question mark. Maybe. I don't know. 
We'll talk to the local about it. Not the local. He's from <laughs> not even close to Edmonton, but he's Canadian. Um, but yeah, let's get into uh, let's get into Jake Wallman right away. Um, he resigns one year, one point zero five. Before we talk that number, I think what's significant is his arbitration numbers that came out because Friedman reported two days before that um, there was, I mean. Number-wise, not that substantial of a difference, but kind of in the term of the contract. Uh, the Red Wings were offering a two-way deal, one-year league min, and then also 225000 at the minor level. Jake Wallman was asking for a one-year, one-way at $1.7 million. Um, obviously, part of the business, but also kind of a slap in the face. I don't know. Am I looking too far into this? No, I don't think so. I... Th- I- Personally, I first see that as a slap in the face. Um, pretty wild number to me. <laughs> like Steve, Steve didn't. He woke up and he's just like, "Nah, I'm I'm feeling it today." Yeah, I I just picture Steve rolling out of bed. He's hungover and he's like, "Yeah, I guess here's 700k for two way deal." And then he went back to sleep. And then <laughs> I don't know. I, that's the way I see it. You think he um, thought he was trying to negotiate with uh, Adam Ernie? Yeah. Maybe. Even though that's overpayment. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, No, it's just kind of strange. Like, it's definitely, I don't know where the Red Wings are going with this. First of all, like, I know there's some clarification that kind of like people kind of tend to forget with two-way deals. That does not impact waiver eligibility. It does not give the Red Wings more roster flexibility. All it does is like, that just determines what they're getting paid at each level. So the two-way deal make sure that like the team pays them less to play in the minors versus the one way where you're making the same amount of money each way. Um, so had still would have had to go through waivers. The only thing I can kind of think of is like with the Red Wings from this point of view is like, he's having shoulder surgery and he's likely not going to be back for like the first couple months of the year. And what if he's just not good start the year? Right. And you kind of have, what's that? I was just gonna say, yeah, that make, that would make sense. Um, a little bit of clarification there in, in my head that would be of use possibly just bury him. Yeah. If worse comes to worse then he is not good. I mean, still he's not a proven defenseman by any means. He had a good end of the year stint with the Red Wings while playing on a third pair with a not great defenseman. And I liked what I saw from him. I also wonder if that's making room for like Steve making room for a guy like Edmondson or yeah. like, like just that's going to make you know, like, he thinks they're going to, he projects them to make the uh, team out of roster or on the roster spot out of training camp. So yeah. Like if he's viewing Wallman more so like not a guarantee in the NHL. Right. Yeah. Well, I can definitely see that with him being out and if Edmondson fills in his boots, like, you know, yeah. Why would you replace Edmondson for Wallman when Edmondson's ELC and you can just let him kind of do his thing? Right. Absolutely. I kind of yeah. It's kind of funny. Like I, I I don't know why we didn't really think about the negotiations more because obviously Wallman coming in like he went from playing no time in St. Louis to all of a sudden playing nearly 18 minutes a night in Detroit and arguably being the best left-handed defenseman on the roster towards the end of the year. 
So obviously the agent has all that ammunition to back it up. And then Detroit has the ammunition of, well, you didn't play at all in St. Louis. So it's just kind of this weird game of cat and mouse. But I mean, like it was kind of to be expected. I mean, the number came out to be one year, basically one million. Not at all surprising. I think it's a fair contract. It's hard to get mad about like if it was like an overpayment or an underpayment of like a hundred thousand dollars. You know, that's mean especially when it's on a one year deal and you still have so much cap flexibility. There's oh, yeah. really there's no way you can be mad. I wouldn't be mad if they gave him three million for one year, personally. Yeah, right. Yeah. Who cares? I would I'd raise my eyebrow, but yeah, <laughs> it would, it would, in the scheme of things, it wouldn't really matter. No, yeah. it's not a fight against the cap at all. So no. Uh, what do we kind of view if Wallman comes back fully healthy, he plays like he did last year, where do we kind of see him fitting into the Red Wings lineup? I think the top four is kind of well-spoken for, but it's kind of a dogfight in the bottom pair between like five guys. Yeah, I I guess I honestly don't know if there's a great fit for him. Um, it's very interesting right now because the way I see it, the top four is pretty locked in unless you do see him pushing a guy out of the top four, like Olimata. Is that possible when he comes back? Maybe. I mean, he hasn't gotten the most opportunity like we had kind of poked at. I do think there still is more to be unlocked with him. Whether or not that means he's a top four defenseman, I doubt it. I would say he's an NHL defenseman, um, but is the left side going to be available for him when he comes back? And then the question after that is, if the left side's not available, can he play the right side well? Yep, that is a big question because I kind of view the left side, it's the one that's most well-spoken for. You got Hag, you have Osterley, you have Edmonton that are all fighting for spots, and then you have Wallman as well. I mean, granted, Hag and Osterley can both play on the right side. Um, Gus Lindstrom plays on the right side of the bottom pair. But, I mean, again, he showed points of being very good, and then he showed points of not being very good. So another question mark there. It's a lot of um, – training camp's going to be such a huge deciding factor of how how it's going to pair out in terms of, like, who gets waived and stuff like that. And then also throughout the season when people start to become healthy back. Because also you have Mark Pissick as well. Who needs to be factored in? Who is an NHL defenseman? And a pretty yeah. reliable bottom pair guy. Yeah. Um, trying to think. I don't think I don't have anything else on uh, Jake Wallman unless anyone else has anything to add in. I do not know. All right. I think we should move into the remaining business the Red Wings have on the roster. Philip Sedino. I mean, obviously, there's like I know Eisman made comments uh, in his press conference about, well, you know, we'll I it wouldn't I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't continue doing work. But strictly on the roster right now, he has one player that's under team control that is still unsigned, which being Zadina. Um, kind of his role is kind of in a flux right now after the Red Wings make some signings on forward, literally signing a whole other line. You have Robbie Fabry, who's kind of up in the air right now, but will be back at some point, who'd likely be playing a top nine role. Joe Valeno and Michael Rasmussen all looking to take both looking to take steps. There's a lot of competition all of a sudden for Philip Zadina. 
do we see him maybe trying to like hold out? Is he not helping with his perceived role heading into camp? I don't know. What are your guys' take on what's happening with Sedina? Because I thought this would be finished up by now. Yeah, I kind of did too. Because like, I don't think he has any leverage on a contract negotiation if it comes down dollar wise. Like, pack it because really has has been underwhelming in the scheme of things. But maybe yeah, I don't know. Like, everything's tight there, so you haven't obviously not going to hear him asking for a trade or anything, but maybe he wants out of there because he sees there's no role for him anymore after the off season we've had. I don't know. Like it's just kind of, I, I thought he'd be signed by now too or dealt one or the other. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to agree. It's uh, getting a little fishy for me on time wise. I would assume this to be a really simple contract kind of like maybe like the Rasmussen contract. I know. We had talked about similar contracts or possibility of contracts earlier, Garth. But this is getting to be a pretty big stretch on, like I said, a pretty simple contract in my eyes. Yeah, so I was just pulling up while you were saying that. I am working on an article currently of uh, trying to predict his next contract, Zinez. And I was trying to base it off of guys who have kind of underperformed relative to expectations when they first made the league um like high first like first rounders high picks and what their production was i think the perfect one like in terms of production it's almost almost to the t is casey millstat okay they through before casey so millstat signed his contract september 2nd 2021 coming off of zlc in okay, so Philip Sedina played plays his right now has played 160 games. Middlestat's played 155. Um, Casey Middlestat scored 27 goals and 34 assists for 61 points. Zadina, 25 goals, 36 assists for 61 points. Quite literally the same exact production. And Casey Middlestat signed for a 2.5 million dollar AAV for 7.4 million, like or I mean for three years, so 7.4 million total of the contract. Um, I don't know if like Zadina's camp's like looking at that contract and being like, that's kind of what we're shooting for here. Cause that's kind of a big number. And let's also like, it should be factored in that Casey Middlestat like did play long stretches at the wing, but he was kind of that contract kind of signed for him to be center before Tage Thompson decided he was going to be the next great thing at center. So that's kind of why that number is a little inflated. Michael Rasmussen's a really good example. Like you brought up because it's as Steve Eisman has already made a move like that with a player on the Red Wings roster. Granted, um, Rasmussen had a lot less experience at the NHL. Um, also, Philip Heedle's another interesting one. He's making a little over two. He signed a two-year deal. He's expiring after this year. And he's kind of been a guy who's put up, like, low 20s in points. He had a hot playoff. But other than that, he hasn't been too impressive in terms of production. So it's kind of like this weird medium of, all right, what are you going to do next? So I kind of, like, view... I kind of view his contract kind of being like a two-year, three-year deal at like in or around between one and a half and two million. I don't think that's a unfair. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Comparison, I guess. Yeah. Deal, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no. I, I I had a really smart word in my head, and it just blew right by me. It's the off season. It's yeah, off season. It, 
Yeah. But no, that's kind of right where I'd have him. Like the max obviously would be two. I'd prefer the one point five, but like we don't have cap issues at the moment, and with the cap going up, projected like ten million in the next three years. Uh, Ooh. yeah, by twenty twenty five, it's supposed to spike up ten mil. Yeah, so but end of that deal, he's gonna be, or by the, when that spikes up, the deal mm-hmm. could be expiring anyways. So right, yeah, they're gonna have a ton of they're gonna have a ton of work when that when that um that hop happens which will be really good but um yeah it's just it's kind of what's phillips zadina's role going to be next year so like i said we they made the signings and some guys are gonna be playing like similar type roles like i know grant brought up when we first did the free agency um review kubalik being signed kind of a similar player both perimeter guys both primary like shooters i mean zadina's kind of been more of a passer but he when he's on his game, he's a shooter. And you look at the power play role too. Like, where is he playing on the power play in terms of is he become a bumper guy? Because I mean, I'm putting a couple different people over him, like over him on the wall. You know what I mean? A bumper also, guy that hates playing the middle of the ice. Yeah, good luck. I know, but like, who uh, exactly. are you rather? That's that's what I mean. Is he does he doesn't have a spot on the power play in my opinion? Yeah, I I, I think there's no be- fit for him. I I'd almost be more comfortable throwing um, Rasmussen in the power play over him, as because he's oh. an F front guy, or Valeno, or Valeno. Valeno is more versatile than Zadina is. I yeah. just I look at that power play and you have the only spot he can play is flank, and you have four better flanks than him. Yeah, Raymond Perron, Kubalik, and Verona. Yeah. yeah, even he can throw Horonic in there too. Yeah. If he, it, obviously there's not there's not another defenseman who can cornerback a power play on the team, but you get what I'm saying. He's a better flank. Yeah. Gustav Lindstrom can. <laughs> Heady defenseman. Heady defenseman. Uh Jordan Osterley did it at one point. Steven Camper can. Oh, that's true. Another guy we've had to mention in terms of <laughs> I I I've heard nothing but good things about Steven Camper. In terms of like being a good fill in guy. He's he's more fun, Alex Biega. Which yeah. I mean, you can't hate for like an eleventh defenseman. So, an offensive Alex Viega. <laughs> That's right. I said way more fun Alex Viega. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Um, but no, back to Zadina. I don't know. It kind of just begs like, if there's this holdout here, I don't know. Is could a trade still be possible? Because if you look at if strictly, we're looking at role. You might want to be looking at a different player who brings something different to the table. Absolutely. Cause you kind of see like Kubelik, you've made your bet on a guy who's a shooter and you're like, okay, he's gonna be a power play threat. This is our guy. You have Verona who's going to get a bigger role this year. And you probably want to want to play him probably in first unit. I would assume if you want to get him those real reps and I'm not like, I don't know. I'm kind of still in the camp of like, let's try to make Zadina work, but you kind of break down the power play and stuff like that. It's kind of like, mm, where are you going to excel? I don't know. One that still like stands out to me, and like again, there's been nothing to this. I'm just throwing this out here. Like, why not like call Kenny Holland up for Jesse Puliarvi? I know Andy's firmly in like the Jesse Puliarvi sucks camp, but in terms of a power play fit, if we're going right off that, Puliarvi plays net front and can play bumper as well, and is big and is very good defensively. Yeah, he's got a huge ass, big lips. That's right. Yeah. Big uh, tongue. He's, he's just gonna use his tongue to screen. Yeah, a couple different. <laughs> Grant sticks out his tongue. Does the Jesse Bullyarby face? 
don't know. Yeah, I I love Jesse Puliarvi, and I can't get enough of him. Um, I dream. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> no, we'll cut, that yeah. we'll, we'll cut that. We'll yeah. cut that in post. Cut, cut that, cut that. Um, <laughs> no, I. Do see that is a really interesting bit there. Um, do I think there's anything to it? Probably not, because it's just us speculating. But right. Ken Holland has notably been looking for a player to play in the lineup for Jesse Pugliarvi. Would Iserman be willing to flip Zadina, who's younger than Pugliarvi? Not by much, but yes. Not by much. What three years? Two years. Two years. Um, you're getting a more versatile player in my eyes. I don't see where it really hurts you. Um, you're, I guess, you're kind of banking on Zadina not panning out. It's all where management sits on Zadina is essentially how it is, and I think you'd have a little bit more leverage on Edmonton. So I think you'd be able to get something else back in return, whether that's just draft pick or something, because they want to get rid of Pugliarvi. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're also in a cap, they're in a, they're in a cap, cap issue. Pinch, and so they're going to be taking less cap on with Sedina. Yep. That's kind of like my thought as well, is I get a cheaper player who get, brings something different to the lineup versus Pugliarvi. And the Red Wings can afford a bigger cap hit and also could use a different guy for versatility purposes. I don't know. I don't see the Red Wings trading like Zadina for like a pick. Like they're not going to sit no. like there. I would imagine they take a swing on a, another young player who's kind of been for whatever reason, not living up to expectation yeah. in some sort of way. Like only we could trade, like I could see like a Zadina for Oli Ulebi to Anaheim. Oh well, yeah, that, that would definitely work. Or like a reclamation project for you, Levy. Is it is same draft as Pugliarvi, so I don't see why not. He's yeah, only a pick later. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what Oli Levy would look like in a Red Wings uniform. Same. Yeah. <laughs> that's like easily that's gonna be like really good trivia in like five years of like who is Oli <laughs> Levy played for? Oh, Detroit. <laughs> and Florida. <laughs> Where does Ole Levy rank on your favorite random Red Wings of all time? It's too early to tell. <sighs> give I me love- like, give me like a year. <laughs> okay, all right. Because obviously, like, where he is. What's that? Give me three years to see where he's playing, and I'll tell you. Because I mean, right now, like, random Red Wing of all time, like, because Vanek made two appearances, so I can't really call him random. I think Merrick Zidlicki is easily yeah, my favorite. Yeah, Merrick Zidlicki is easily my favorite. Yeah. From it, st- it, this so- <laughs> full ice saucer passes to hip check side. Mm-hmm. I would like to throw a shout out as well. He was a full year, but Brad Richards as well, because that dude loved to just take wine up for a good clapper. Yeah. Mike Madonna, too. Like, actually, <laughs> players actually loved, but just was random. Did not see him coming to Detroit for whatever. Reason. Oh, no. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd count Alfie because he was just so good. Like Alfie was still like a very good player when he came. He was good, yeah, but still, just randomly. Very random. That should not have happened. Ken Holland had this weird thing. It was like, oh, this franchise player that played on the same team for his whole career. Let's sign him. Yeah, David Legwand, sure, sure. Later, yeah. See, I would have said Eric Cole, but Eric Cole did play for um, the Habs and after, right? I think. 
Oh, no, no, no. The Red Wings were his final stop, but he played for the Habs <laughs> as well, I think. Uh, that trade is awesome. Yeah. I Man, I hate Matisse Yanmark's not a good player at all. No, he's not. Not usable whatsoever for whatever, how many games of, yeah, Eric Cole. Like 12 games of Eric Cole's corpse. Yeah. I felt bad too because I remember like liking his game. I think he had like six points in like 10 games or something like that for the Red Wings. He was fun. Sure, he was 35, but it's fine. It's fine. It's like um, the Mike, Mike Green trade to Edmonton. Ken Holland's been he's gotten the two bad games end of the couple times. <laughs> two, Ken Holland has been he's been on the bad end of a couple of those. Um, yeah, it kind of does it for the NHL talk for the Red Wings. Um, maybe we go back after the World Juniors if we're feeling spicy and get into some NHL news or lack thereof, and have Andy go off on some things because we haven't talked to him in a while. Um, but let's get into some World Juniors stuff. I mean. Best uh, was it's usually the best time of year, but now it's in the middle of August, and uh, the city of Edmonton uh, has just decided not to show up. I think like it's a lot of there's a lot of factors. One, Hockey Canada being a big one, and that nobody likes Hockey Canada right now, as they shouldn't. Um, another one, it's middle of summer, and also ticket prices. Like a like a Canada ticket is 150 bucks. I saw, and then a non canadian like game is 50 so i don't know i don't know how many people are going out of their way at 11 a.m to go see czechia versus latvia for 50 bucks that's tough like as a probably yeah as a consumer it's not an easy one to swallow austria and switzerland was almost sold out today yeah yeah it was like probably like ten thousand. it was like half full it's the second most Full game. Are you are you serious or no? No, I might have ten people in it. That's what I'm saying. Like I've kind of seen like the average float around like five hundred for like non-Canadian games. I don't know. Besides, I, saw, like, I saw a couple of highlights of that game. It looked like I saw three people in the stands. Uh yeah. But before we go into like World Juniors, <laughs> I did want to mention uh Dmitry Buchelnikov winning the uh, MVP of the U25 Sochi tournament. Uh was it MVP or most best offensive player? Maybe might have been best offensive player. Maybe he okay. maybe he didn't win the MVP. Okay, I might have messed that up. Um, I didn't really, I couldn't find like his stats, like on elite prospects from the tournament. So I know he scored a couple and had a bunch of fun, flashy plays. But uh, he's kind of the guy. I'm like, all right, more I watch, I think there's something there. There's definitely something there, as in terms of he's a sneaky player. Watch out. I said when we first like when we were first watching his like his like and one tape that circled on YouTube after he was drafted, he looks like a mini Artemi Panarin. Yeah, I shouldn't say mini. He's like the same size, but uh, no, very fun, very small, and he's explosive and he can shoot. His like shot is ridiculous. Yeah, this is where. I wish that Russia was at the World Junior Championships just so I could watch him be sick. Yeah. I know, and he's probably not going to be in it next year. He's not going to be in December too, probably because it's probably. It's, I think they're still out. I think. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be out again. Yep. Yeah, it was a Unf- six month suspension, I think. Right? Oh, was it? I, I didn't really. Somewhere that I think it went covered both tournaments and into the World Championships. I thought. Okay. That would make yeah, sense. So probably close to a year. Oh, yeah. Probably okay. 
yeah, bummer for him and like other guys like a year off or something, or even um, what's his name? Uh, um, they got drafted for the Capitals. Oh, uh, Miroshchenko. Yeah, that's the one. That's what I was thinking of. Um, yeah, like for those guys to get like the big stage and stuff like that, definitely a bummer. Um, but also, he, there's circumstances. It's is an it's a necessary evil, in my opinion. But um, anyway, back to World Juniors. Even though there are not that many fans in the stands, um, there's been a lot to be excited about for Red Wing fans. And starting with the states, I think we could start with like probably the most impressive player of the tournament for Red Wings fans. Carter Mazer. Um, we like, I think in the tournament in uh, December before it was canceled, he was playing like a third line role, like no power play. Second line. Okay. Second line role. Our, our producer, AK Grant was coming quick with the, the added on that second line role. I don't think he was playing that much power play. Um, kind of a, you know, he was, he was in there, like he was playing physical, but otherwise like it was like, okay, he's there. And then this tournament, Immediately, he gets a start on the first line. We're like, oh, okay, cool. Bordalo, great player. Slaggart, also a solid player. Um, and now he's fifth in the tournament in scoring as of right now. I mean, I don't know how like any Finnish players or any other scoring has gone up since. But as of right now, they're recording 8 o'clock Monday night, four goals, two assists, six points in four games. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, to kind of piggyback – he did get a lot of power play time in the December tournament. He was playing first power play. Oh, I didn't, um, okay. He was Forgot playing that. net front, but he actually switched to bumper this tournament, which is interesting a bit. He played net front at Denver, and I thought he was great. But they started the tournament this tournament with um, Nyes net front on power play one and Mazer on the bumper, and they just switched Nyes and Berard. So now Berard's on the first unit net front. And I don't know how I feel about Mazer on the bumper right now because I loved him net front. Um, but I, I I would confidently say that Mazer has been the prospect that I've been most impressed with this tournament um, by quite a bit. He's been, in my opinion, USA's first or second best forward. Um, him and Bordelow have been outstanding. Um and then after that, you go into the next tier, which I think Slaggart's also been outstanding. And I think Coronado's been very good too. But Mazer is just all over the ice. Um, he does everything. <laughs> it's very fascinating to watch. And honestly, right behind him might be the second player that I've been most impressed with in Savage. Yeah. Stay on Mazer, though. It's because he's got that dog in him. Yeah, that uh, he's got the dog in him. That's why he's so good. Uh, no, but he's got that uh, he has uh, like not a direct comparison, but maybe from like draft slot and how they've kind of impressed. He's got that Bertuzzi esque skill where it doesn't look the prettiest, but then all of a sudden he pulls something like he'll make a move, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, how did he get around them? And he kind of just finds himself open for shots and stuff. Like I know, I know it's the power play, but he was wide open for the slot pass, like the slot pass, and was able to bury on Austria over the glove, and also got loose for the breakaway goal as well. Uh, no, I've really liked his ability to get open and actually create plays more so than just being kind of a passenger on a line, 
which is something Bertuzzi also developed into is becoming more of a driver on, on a line being an engine. He's, he's a prick. Yeah. I know there was one moment last game against Sweden that was off an icing. He finished a late hit way after the whistle on Edmondson. <laughs> he, he kind of pounded Edmondson to the boards, like after the whistle and the camera just paneled to Edmondson's face. He was like in shock. And then he was like smirking at him really funnily. It was like interesting. I don't know if they were like jawing at each other or what it was, but well, was... wasn't there a play earlier, like in the first period, where Edmondson kind of crushed Mazer? I yeah, can't. I think so. Um, I know there's another time where after that, Edmondson kind of walked around Mazer pretty badly in the ozone for mm. Team Sweden, but that was kind of funny too. Um, seeing those two kind of go back and forth. Yeah. Um, man. I've really liked Mazer's game and where it's at. I, I'm very much looking forward to getting to the bigger stage games and seeing how he performs. I mean, he was a key piece on Denver in the tournament last year. Yep. Shows up. Andy, what do you think? I watched a whole lot of uh, games, but a few of the clips I saw, uh, I watched – what they said, like 10 minutes of last night's game, Sweden USA. And all I really picked out of it was everything was flying out there. Like, like gazelle, gazelle. Yeah, he took two strides around the net, took two more strides, and was crossing up, opposing his blue line. He like, <laughs> nobody touched him. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. It was just, I haven't been really into it. And I watched, what did I say, Canada versus Czechia. I said that before we got on here. Yep. Yeah. And I thought that was just boring as all hell. Like, no, it's not the right time of year. Like, I, I guess give him credit for rescheduling it and trying. But uh, growing up in Canada, Christmas time, Boxing Day, the day after yeah. Christmas is the heart and soul of the tournament. It's the best part of the year. And Definitely. I just can't get into it this year uh, or this tournament this time of year. It's almost for a lot of younger kids and maybe some of the additions for the guys who didn't return from the postponed tournament. I guess it's more of a pre, like a fall, end of summer prelude to what's coming in, in December. So it's almost like an older version of the Helenka Gretzky. Yeah, literally. It's, that's exactly what it is. It's just like the Helenka Gretzky, but three years into the future. Yeah, literally. No, definitely. Um, should we like? Should we just kind of like break down the U.S. Sweden game because like we all kind of watch bits of that, and we can we have five prospects to talk about, and we kind of just base off that. Um, Grant, we were going to talk about Red Savage right away, so we might as well just go into him next before we get into the um, another big name. But not to say that Red Savage has been uh, not a big name because he's been quite impressive for U.S. and the fourth line role. He's just a really big key piece to their penalty kill. Um... And on that penalty kill, I've noticed in the, the kind of the lackluster games, I guess you could say, against the weaker opponents, uh, U.S. has not used Mazer on the penalty kill, which I find very interesting because, I, I mean, in the USHL, he led the league in penalty kill goals, shorthanded goals. Um, then I noticed against Sweden last night, he did play penalty kill. Yeah. So I guess maybe saving his energy a little bit for bigger games. Um, I find that interesting, but I do think Red Savage has been arguably their best penalty killer um, 
he just finds a way to create offense on the penalty kill. And it's really fun to watch. And then he's just like Mazer. He just goes to all the dirty areas and plays the game the right way. Um, that's what you look for in a bottom six to middle six type player. He just gets dirty and gets things done. I, I love it. Yeah, he had that whatever in the pre-tournament game before the tournament actually started. It was that tune-up game. He scored that uh, really greasy one where he like was falling to the ice and it kind of just went in. Or was that actually in the tournament? That was in the tournament. Okay, I thought that was okay. My bad. Yeah, greasy. He did score another. He did score in a pre-tournament. The pre-tournament game as well. I think he had two in the pre-tournament game. Yeah. Um, they won five to one. I can't remember. It was Switzerland, and he had two goals. He was the only yeah. multi-point player that game, actually. Okay. King. King. Um, no, the, the breakaway goal from Savage, though, where they had to be reviewed because it went in and out so fast, just straight back bar. I remember watching it. I'm like, he kind of had a weird reaction. It was like, it was like he, was he didn't like, know. No, it was kind of like he did know, but it was like the game was already so out of hand. He's like, I don't really want to like make a big deal about this. You know what I mean? Like, kind of just like looked and he's like, yeah. Like I like I kind of turned the game off for a little while after that goal because I felt bad for Austria because it was it was just so like that goalie was trying his darndest to keep them in that game and it was just USA started to turn on the Jets and it was just straight possession, not fair. Like especially that that first line with Mazer and Bordalo and Slaggart. that was it was just possession, and especially when Faber and Hughes got out there too. Because all they do is just start circling the that, offensive zone, that too. pairing has been ridiculous. <laughs> if USA wants to go far, their defense has to be elite, and they've been very elite. Yeah. And that they've kept Emberico very protected, who is kind of a cool story heading into this. He's been very good as well. And that decor is really helping him out. This team, yeah. I truly believe in this team, actually. I know I was questioning it, but uh, yeah, like watching last night too, like Embarico made some pretty big saves, like against Sweden. Yes, which was his biggest test for sure of the tournament. Because I mean, you can do whatever against the the lower tier teams, but Sweden's a big, big, uh, a big opponent. And moving into Sweden, I guess we start with the big name, Edvinson. I know uh, Andy was kind of was talking about him right, right before, like within the U.S. talk, but. If we want to really break down like some things in that game, he had a couple, uh, let's say, not as good moments against USA. Uh, again, not great to judge one game. Like we're definitely overanalyzing, but yeah, he had a couple points where he, uh, especially the, that penalty kill, or when they scored in the power play, the USA did the was it the first goal? Yeah, where he te- he failed to clear, and then he lost his guy in front. So, yeah, he lost Berard. That was Berard's goal. Not a not an NHL play, not an NHL play, but otherwise, let's. I want to say this: when we say Edmondson didn't have a good game, to, um, I mean it to his standards. Like I still think he looked okay. Like again, it's all should be factored in. Usually, guys are like tuning up in the gym at this time of year, especially if you're prepping for an NHL camp, versus trying to get up to game speed and stuff like that. So it's it's gonna lead to some sloppy hockey. That and like what I saw from him is like besides like a couple of plays where he went coast to coast in four strides, um, <laughs> I seems like he's almost trying to do too much. Like he's trying to put like too much of the weight on his shoulders. Yeah, in certain times, which gets him into shitty areas and make silly little plays that come back to bite him in the ass. That's what that's what I kind of gathered in my 
maybe 12 minutes of actual game time watching. It's funny you say that because I've been kind of working my ass off lately to try to decipher what's going on with him. Um, Through this whole tournament, I've kind of noticed a lack of decision-making from his part of the game. Um, Watching him last year, all season, he was terrific almost every game. Um, Just so many great plays each game. And then I kind of thought about it for a while. And every game he was trying or has been trying to do a little bit too much in certain areas. I don't know if it's the pressure of Holtz and Eklund opting out. I mean, those are two very big names, very big gunners up front. And it seems like he's almost trying to make something out of nothing on every shift. Um, There were moments in the U.S. game where he'd do something that nobody else can do. And then there would be other moments where he would do something that nobody should ever do. <laughs> um, he's, he was a wild card that game. Um, in other games, it was kind of hidden because it was against weaker teams, but he was still tr- trying to do a little bit too much. Yeah, it, The thing with him is his skating alone can bring him anywhere in the game of hockey. It, he is such a ridiculous skater. For how to big go, he is, too. For how big he is. And to go along with his skating, his hands are ridiculous for a non-offensive defenseman. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, the, I guess to sum that up, have I been super impressed with him? No. Have I expected more? Yes. Um, big game also- still yet to come. I also still want to point out, like, our expectations for him were to be, like, the best defenseman in the tournament. Yes. It was it was Luke Hughes <laughs> and him for me. Yes. And he's, like, a couple steps down. Like, he's, like, yes. sixth. Yeah. Yes. C- cool. There's also the aspect where, like, you watch him all year, Grant, and he's up there playing pro hockey players, so there's not many missed assignments. And your game, almost, when you're playing at that level, is more simple because everyone should be in the exact spot and less chaotic. And then now you go back to guys who are playing juniors, wherever, wherever they're coming from and against guys who were playing mostly junior or college hockey or wherever it's, it's a little bit more hectic that way. So it's not going to be as smooth and like smooth and transition and smooth of a, like a breakout or a certain plays as it would be at the pro level typically. Like it, it sounds weird because at the pro level, like you're playing against another professional team. So you'd think, Oh, they're going to be, it's going to be more challenging, but also your players are in the right spots and know how to react to certain plays to get that, to make it easier for your defenseman to break out or do whatever. Right. That's a really good point. And I, I couldn't agree more. Like that's a big thing. I do also want to mention like Edvinson has a goal and assist right now and they play again tonight uh, ahead of the recording. So, I mean, obviously this will come out after the game. So who knows, maybe Edvinson is a sick game and we don't get to talk about it, unfortunately. Um, but he did score that, that bomb from the point, which was a really nice, again, like another aspect of Edvinson's game. that I'm like, I'm not a huge fan of his shot, but that was a really nice shot. Yeah. Nice and low right through the goalie. You got to love it. 
Um, moving on to the other two Swedes on the team, uh, the goon himself, Theodore Niederbach, absolutely decking someone from behind to get a five in a game. Love to see it. Tossing the weight around all 175 pounds of him. Uh, I thought he's looked pretty good because he's kind of had to take an accelerated role as well as, as without, as Grant mentioned, without Holtz and Eklund there. He's getting PP one minutes. He's playing second line center, which is a position he hasn't really played much this year. Um, I've liked Niederbach's game. He also did, I should also mention, he was named uh, Sweden's player of the game last night versus Canada. Or no, USA, excuse me. So that's that's something. It's pretty cool. A little kudos. A little kudos. He had a really slow start to that game too as well, um, to mention. Um, yes. I think as the game progressed, he got better and better. And once it was getting into the kind of gritty time of the game, he was very good. Yeah. Um, also, same with the other defenseman. He was very good towards the gritty part of the game, too. Um, but boy, Willie? The boy, Willie, I thought was very good at the end of the game. I love Willie. Who I've been, I've been looking for to be very good. Um, but Theo has been interesting i thought he was kind of quiet in that first game aside from taking three penalties and then he had that sick assist as well so i mean his tournament's been up and down for me he has i still think there's a lot there um i'm looking for him to do more and more as well i'm so excited for him to like go back to rogla and actually like have somewhat of a role because he's just like He's been plagued with being a 13th forward and for Lunda for a long time. And whenever he goes to play in the junior level, he always like plays like a pretty significant role and does pretty well. It's kind of like I, I'm excited for him to get like a bigger shine in the pro level on a really in a really good system. Should also mention that maybe his his role might not be that big because Mark Casper is going to be second line center. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that's where you're slotting in at preseason. Um, speaking of the other Rogla boy. Willie, our boy. Um, he skates. He skates so funny, but he's also like so smooth at the same time. Yeah, he to me the first two games of the tournament, he looked like he was like scared and super shaky, and which I I don't understand because he was just Rogla is basically number one defenseman at the end of the year. <laughs> To a team that almost went to the finals. Yeah. Um, or did they go to the finals? No, they didn't. It was um oh, Albert, it was, uh, Albert versus yes. okay. Andreas. They lost in the semifinals. Um, but he to me, he was very good at the end of the season for Rogla. I mean, he was playing 20 plus minutes in, or I'd say 18 plus minutes a night every game. Last night, towards the end of the game against USA, I really saw it, saw it come out, kind of. I don't know if that was him being boosted by Andre's play. Emil Andre was very good at the end of the game. Yeah, um, so he's I, a good all-tournament, too. He has been good, but I don't know if that pushed Wallinder to start playing better. But it was the first goal for Sweden – Wallinder kind of walked the whole blue line, made a pump fake, and then gave it back to Andre. And Andre made another pump fake, broke Mazer's ankles. Mazer fell. And Andre shot from the blue line, and, and Barico kind of lost it, and it hit his club and went in. 
That was a bad one. That was he kind of like one of those that just bounces up and just goes in. Doesn't look yes, good. it does not look good. And that was um started with Wallander. Um, and just the defensive mobility from Wallander and Andre. I've liked that pairing a lot, especially towards the bitter end of last night. Um, Matt, I, I have high hopes for Wallander. Um, this year is going to be a big year for him, and I've liked a little bit of what I've seen from him. But like I said, he's another guy that I want more from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should move into like the – now we only have four left because we just covered you know, the other two big ones. But I guess we go to the, the last one with two, um, Canada. Um, one playing a significant role, the other not so much. And it's not who you'd think it'd be. <laughs> it's, the two are flopped. Because uh, heading in, there was guys like Scott Wheeler who were like, yeah, Donovan Sobrango is going to be a seventh defenseman. Uh, Donovan Sobrango is the assistant captain and playing first pairing. And also, by Bob McKenzie's words, not mine, Bob McKenzie called Dominic Sprango Canada's most important defenseman, which uh, quite the praise from the Bob father or Bobby Margarita. It's the Bobby Margarita season, so I should call him by his actual name. Uh, I really love Sprango's game. And I mean, we were talking about it a little bit before, but Grant, you kind of want to go into it. Yeah, I think their engine against good teams has to be Sprango and Zellweger. And Zellweger has been very elite in this tournament and a big credit to Donovan Sobrango. Zellweger can't play the way he is right now without a very stay-at-home, steady defenseman who actually does move a puck well in the ozone. And that's been Sobrango all tournament long. I mean, I've this whole game against Finland today has been Zellweger just kind of streaking in the ozone all game. And it's, Starts with Sabrango moving the puck well. I mean, he's shut down the Ra- the Ratu line very well against Finland today. And then just other games, they haven't really been tested, to be honest, but he's been good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, he's... Ca- it's hard to judge against other games when Canada just literally obliterates everybody. But I would argue, I... though, their, their decor is not that great, though, for Canada. Like, it's no. okay. It's okay. No. I, I, I agree. I, I do think that he has to be really, really good in the next couple games as well. But against Finland, which was the big test, he's been very good as he sits in the box when Canada is about to go down five on – or Finland's about to go on a five on three. Nice. Um, Love it. With 13 minutes left and Canada's up five two. Uh, let's talk to the, the resident Canadian. I know you said you haven't watched much, but uh, what have your impressions been of uh, Sobrango? Yeah, so like I, I mentioned it beforehand, like before we started recording, but it was his offensive game that really shocked me. Like he became kind of like, or in the offensive zone, I should say, offensive game in total. Because uh, what happened, Grant? Will Cooley just got the boot. Oh, Neandy. got kicked out. Yeah, Neandy. Ooh. This game's getting interesting. Just give the puck to Kamal. That's right. That's you know, right. his uh, Sabrango's offensive game was because he's always well, even in December, he had like the seventh defenseman, right? Like, Roughly, yeah. Yeah, like six, seven, and like even going into this tournament, it was kind of like suspected that's what his role would be, and 
obviously the complete opposite. So, um, even so, like I thought he'd still be kind of a more of a defensive defenseman in this tournament, but really his offensive puck moving and skating up ice and just clearing pucks out him and Zell, Zellweger. Yep. Is that right? Okay. They've been, they're by far, obviously the number one and best pairing that Canada has. Like you said, their decor is not that strong in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, but those two guys have been getting pucks moving up ice pretty quick. So it's, they complement each other pretty well so far this tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of love like, you you look at the all the defensemen playing in the tournament that are Red Wings prospects, and it's it's very adamant or it's very apparent, I should say, that to be a Red Wings draft pick defensively, you have to um, be able to skate well and make a play, and also have some size. And yeah. Sabrango is like not the biggest dude, but he's like six one, like probably pushing two hundred, very respectable he's, size. He's solid. Yeah, he's yeah, solid. He's solid. They can move and make a play and think the game well, which is something Sabrango can do very well which i'm i'm very impressed with but uh moving on to the other canadian uh, junior team member Sebastian Kosa, um heading into the tournament in december 2020-2021 uh he was expected to be the starter it was kind of kosa's net and um his merry men behind him then kosa did not have a great um camp to going into the tournament and you also had Dylan Garand, who was having a pretty solid year in the WHL and overtook him. Uh, and that ended up Kosa being the third goalie. Now, coming back into the tournament, Kosa was able to work his way up to being the number two, but Garand's still the guy. Yeah. Kosa did get the first game against Latvia, and it was an interesting game. Um, I kind of felt that he was just going uh, a little – he's going a little crazy in his net the first half of the game which included um, a Hoshik-esque dive out towards a Latvian player, which was very close to being a very bad goal that would have gotten him guaranteed not seeing another minute of playing time, but ended up overhandling the Latvian player and did, and Kosa ended up having a cheeky smile about it afterward, which I really loved. And I kind of felt he settled in a little bit more. I mean, he made 22, 24 saves, so it's like, again, it's like he's back in Edmonton. You know, not a great save percentage, but also he didn't face that many shots. So, how it's can you really? He have, so, What's that? It's more than I thought Latvia would have. Hey, Latvia's fun, man. I texted. Uh, I texted my uh, my good friend Herberts, uh, the my good Latvian friend, and I don't even think he's watching the World Junior game to be honest. Because I sent him, I sent him the video of all the guys cheering, and he's he was like, like he said, hell yeah, or something like that, and. Latvia and I had to translate it, but I sent it to him and uh, through his DMs, and yeah, it was kind of funny. But I, I he definitely wasn't watching; it was way too late. Um, but no, I did love that for Latvia. They actually have been pretty good, competitive wise. Very good story, I guess. Yeah. A great story, great story. Yeah. But no, I, I thought Kosa played decently well. Again, he's had this up and down year, and it's just like the more I watch him, like he should definitely go back to the WHL. And judging by the Red Wings' moves in net with signing Olkanora, re-signing Bradstrom, uh, is not playing in the AHL. I think that's pretty apparent. Yeah. Pretty. Um, yeah. Grant, you have anything to add on Kosa? No, I, I think you guys summed it up pretty good. I, a little bit shaky at times. He's raw. Yeah, anyone saying that Kosa's a bust or we shouldn't have taken him, chill. He's It's literally been – 
like almost it's it's barely been a year since we drafted him. It's we got plenty of time. He's a goalie, and we should do we should use like the tales of like Carter Hart as a cautionary tale. Yeah, you let goalies sit and you let them develop. You let them overripe. Goalies should not be making their debuts until like twenty four, and that's yeah. even pushing it. So. I am more than comfortable with Kosa right now still. I think it's fine. Um, to kind of wrap up, we kind of can throw the, I think to my knowledge, it's the final two. To, yeah, final two. Uh, ben Nash, who's been the starter of Czechia. Um, he's played two games right now, or has he played three? He played three because he got pulled last game, right? Yeah, he got pulled in slap, yeah. Tough, tough. And he had okay games the other way, but I don't know. It's cool that he's a starter, but yeah, he hasn't been that great. Yeah. Again, he's he's a guy who has promise for the Red Wings goaltending system, which uh, a couple of years ago could not be said. Yeah. So he's got size. He had a pretty decent year in the queue as well. So I don't know. I'm 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 watching him with intrigue. If Czechia like wants to make a little bit of a run, he needs to be a little bit better. Um, but to wrap up, Emil Vero, who Grant's watching very intently right now, I'm assuming, and taking plenty of good notes. As, yeah. he's, as he's watching the game on, on, on the podcast right now. Uh, uh, mental notes. I I can't write. Yeah, you're illiterate. My my right hand is broken, so is my left hand. Yeah? Yeah. It's crazy. crazy. It is uh, wild. Yeah, what, what are your impressions of Vero? Vero is someone who's a very good skater, and he's a very very patient puck handler, which I really like. Um, otherwise you don't really notice him that much, um, unless you're very much paying attention to him, which I don't think is a bad thing. It is the ideal third pair. Yes. He's pretty defensively sound. I love his stride. That's one of my biggest things about him and how patient he is in the D zone. I know there's a play this game that he kind of got burned on by Ridley Grieg. Um, but that happens, you know? It's way the, the best of us. Way the road. It's where the cookie crumbles. Happens yeah. the best of us. Now it's definitely going to be as the more important games start to ramp up. I think starting tomorrow, right, is when the the big games start. Yeah, uh, it'll definitely be interesting to watch how guys progress throughout the tournament. Um, I, I guess a question for you, non Red Wing question. Okay, who has been like your favorite three players to watch so far? I feel like this is like kind of easy. That aren't Red Wings prospects. Yeah, again, pretty easy. Um, or kind of like I kind of wanted like random players. I meant to. Oh, you don't want me to go to the big dogs? No. I would like to shout out McTavish and Bedard though. Okay, they have yes. been very fun. They have been very exciting. Mason McTavish. I think I think Mason McTavish is the best player in this tournament. Yeah, he is. Hand over foot. Yeah, he's dominant. Dudes, yeah. like him and Zegris is one-two punch down the middle. Very good for the Ducks. Um, random players. That's a tough one off the top of my head. Um, hmm. I guess just more hidden players that aren't the huge names. I guess I'm kind of struggling right now to like even because like Yanni Yermo has been sick this tournament for Finland. He's the big lanky defenseman that right third rounder for Vancouver in 2020. I've loved watching him. He's super mobile. I've I guess I go. No one I guess about him. I guess my guy would be Emil Andre. Emil Andre would be in my next one, just because like 
captain. I mean, he's the captain of the team, but also like hidden behind Edvinson. You know, I mean, he wasn't expect. I mean, he's the power play guy, but I really liked his mobility. He's not a very big guy, so I've really liked him. Uh, Wyatt Kaiser, I've liked yeah. for the U.S. as like a depth guy. Um, I've liked kind of like the USA's defense in general, though. Like USA has a really good defense. I know we were kind of bummed about Bowie not making it, but also like that decor is very good. It's tough. It's tough, it yeah. tough for him to get any minutes, so he'll play next year and it'll be good. Um, also, Jan Misak. Although I hate oh, the Canadians, he's been sick for check. Good Alan Walsh client. Good Alan Walsh client. I love I love like when he tweets like about his clients. It's the best. Now he has two <laughs> he has two clients in the Red Wings, so that's fun. In Heronic and Prawn. So I my favorites though when he tweets about Martin Furk scoring. He tweets about it all the time. Whenever Martin Furk scores, it's the best. Um yeah, it's kind of it's kind of it for me on the World Juniors Hawk. Do we want to touch on some NHL news? I mean, there really isn't much. Uh, I don't think we talked about the Huberdeau extension. Uh, I don't know if what your thoughts on Hubie Doobie Doo getting the big bag in Calgary. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm curious to see what he does on a team like Calgary rather than Florida. That's a big contract. <laughs> Massive. I kind of just feels like they just erased Johnny Gaudreau's name on the contract and then just like filled in Jonathan Huberdeau. Yeah. Actually, they didn't even have to write out Johnny. They could, they all they had to do is just erase it until the J O N and then go Onathan and then just write Huberdeau. So it was actually, they saved, they saved some ink. So that's cool. That's true. Good for, the, good for them. Um, I don't like it, kind of just shows. Um, Brad Tree Living had to really make a play here to prove that he's willing to sign the guys to big money and like to make a point of not losing players. I think he did that. And if you're going to overpay guys, they better be your top of the lineup players. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Would you would you rather pay a fourth line player three million dollars or a first line player who's very very good, like an extra two million a year that he shouldn't be making, right? Yeah. No. And I I do look at like. Dude was third in the league in points last year. Yes. Like, you can't just not talk about that. I just – I looked at uh, – I know Byron Bader had posted a chart of, like, playmakers and how they age. And it was really interesting to – a really interesting kind of chart to look at. Like, most playmakers are stars until the age of 37 is kind of what the t- chart tells you. And, and who were just signed till 38? Yes, he signed till 38. Like, I know Dotsuk and Zetterberg were both on that list. They played till 37, they were stars till 37. Yep. Um, it's just, I guess, in that aspect, I see it as a little bit better. And with the cap also going up soon, I don't really think it's that bad of a deal. I think it's, I think it's fair. I think it's pretty fair. Huberdeau had the leverage going into the deal because you just acquired him and he's in under in he has all the leverage of like, oh, you lost Gaudreau, you lost Kachuk, who didn't want to stay. What are you gonna do to help make me stay? Yeah. And exactly. Brad and Brad Tree Living backed up the brink truck and was like, All right, let's do it. And he he didn't back down. I give him the credit. Like, that's a big deal. He could have easily just been like, All right, we're just gonna try to get the deadline. Yeah. But he makes a play and they stay competitive. And I think like if you're gonna replace John Johnny Gaudreau, Jonathan Huber does a pretty good start. 
I think that might be the next best option for Johnny Goodrow if you're looking for a direct replacement. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like not a huge step down. They're pretty they're pretty close in caliber. Yeah. I, I would give the slight edge to Goodrow, but I mean it's not by much. Agreed. Not by much. Um, Andy, what are your kind of thoughts? We didn't even talk about the Kachuk trade with you. So what are your kind of thoughts on Florida, maybe as a whole, the Kachuk trade, Huberto signing, Mackenzie Weger? Yeah, so I don't know, like, where should I start? I guess I'll go with the, the trade first. Um, good for Kachuk, signing trade, I guess. He got his bag. Good for Huberto, he got his bag. Weger, like, Florida – they traded off a lot to get, I don't know, something that I guess they needed, but he would have fit in well with those parts that I already had. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just up front is fine. Up like that Florida up front's fine, but the defensive hole now they have without Uyghur there. Their defense me. is bad. And Ekblad can't stay healthy the last three, four years, three years for sure. Parts of the last three years, but two seasons technically, I guess, because it was, you know, the splits. So if if you lost Uyghur, who I who also I think, in a sense where, like, you have to if you're if you're Florida, you're looking at it. I think Uyghur gets close to what Kachuk got if he had stayed. Yeah, if he had stayed, because like he was he was their best defenseman in my opinion. Because I you kind of count Ekblad out of the picture because he's been hurt like he's every year he gets hurt so mm. he's their most liable reliable and durable defenseman they have in terms wise like money wise I think if he'd stayed they kind of would have to pay Uyghur that I don't know he's yeah been up, he's been on uprise so but yeah getting rid of Uyghur is real. like their defense is just after Ekblad just scary like scarce Imagine if Ekblad gets hurt again. I, I think I, there's a good possibility it will happen. I I can't wait for the first pairing of Brandon Montour and Mark Stahl. I will be wearing bells on my feet to see that. <laughs> I want nothing more. Same. Personally. Yeah, no, I want nothing more. Uh, but yeah, no, Florida. Yeah, we we had we talked about it the last episode. Uh, how Florida got much worse, and I would I would argue Detroit's defense is better than Florida's right now. I, yeah, I'd say so. Like, and that's saying something. Because Detroit's defense is still pretty middle okay. of the pack, if not you know, lower than middle of the pack. Yeah. Like now, if you can have Ekblad, if you can guarantee Ekblad's in 82 games a year and stuff like that, like, okay, you have a little bit of a, of like leavance there, I guess. I don't know, like, you have a little bit of leisure there. Mm-hmm. He's, he is good, but those injuries, man, like they're going to wear down on him and he's going to be playing big minutes. Yeah, it's definitely. Just, I don't know, but for Calgary, like, like you guys said, um, basically, I don't know what you guys had mentioned where they had to fill a gap with Rizzo leaving and then now Kachuk leaving. So the extension is fair. I think it's fair price. Uh, it kind of sucks for Hoover though because he has to pay those Canadian taxes and get like a third of what he's actually make technically making i know there's a way i've heard alan walsh talk about funny enough his agent but on his podcast he's talked about like there's a certain way where you can file taxes differently and you can be part of like the canadian like sports fund where you like don't see your money for like a year but then all of a sudden you make that tax money back for the most part 
Yeah, so it's yeah, how he explained it on Chicklets. He was on Chicklets at one point. Oh, it was on Chicklets, that's what it was. Excuse me. Yeah, he, he explained it where it's like a tax it's basically like a professional version of tax free savings account where you put like three quarters of each paycheck in there and then or sorry, a quarter of each paycheck in there and you basically put it away. Mm. But then you have to like so since he's Canadian, he has to live outside after he retires or leaves the NHL. He has to stay outside of Canada for three hundred five days, a full year, to get that back. Which I mean, he, he does probably have a house in Florida, and he can probably he can afford it. Exactly. He'll be able, he'll be chilling. So yeah. I mean, there's there are ways for players to like keep that money and stuff like that. Like an Austin Matthews, he'd be like, all right, I'll chill in Scottsdale, and then yeah. make that money, right? Um, what do you guys think about like uh, a this is just a trade idea that okay. I just thought of. Wouldn't this be kind of like really fitting for the two teams? Like Robin Leonard for Sergey Bobrovsky, half retained, and also sending Nick Hag back. Ooh. What hmm. do you guys think about that? Hmm. That'd be really good for Florida. Could you see it? I could see it because. Kelly McCrimmon's an idiot, dude. What I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought up the Vegas Golden Knights because I'd love to shit on them. You fools, you fools. And then like, sh- then trying to justify the Max Pacioretty trade online about, oh, he just got hurt. Shut up. You gave him away for free before he was when he was fully healthy. Shut up. Oh, that's still fine for Carolina. They're still stacked. I know, I know, but like Vegas fans being like, "How oh, we won the trade?" No, you, yeah. di- you, no, you didn't. You still gave up Dylan, Dylan Coglin for free. <laughs> yeah, you gave up Dylan Coglin for nothing. Congrats, Dylan Coglin's a sixth defenseman. Very good. A very ridiculous good sixth defenseman, dude. I, I don't know. Like, if I'm Vegas, like, I don't know. Like, you need to be start looking at Kelly McCrimmon's job. It needs to be gone. Like, look at their besides their even their top six is not scary. They're not a good team. Besides I their li- defense. I like their defense a lot. Their defense this- is fun. Jack Eichel's fun. Jonathan Marshall is okay. Mark Stone, when healthy, is very good. They don't have a – their second line is below average at this point in yes. time. The Red Wings' second line is better. Agreed. Um, their first line is really scary if Mark Stone can get back to full health. And, and Chandler Stevenson can stay the same. And Eichel can take another step from the way he finished last season. Agreed. I, I, I do love Nick Waugh. Nick Waugh's I do good. love Nick Waugh. I like that deal a lot. Is it bad that I think this Robin Leonard injury is a blessing in disguise for Vegas? Uh, mm. Yeah, because I get the LTIR space. But again, like, are you really comfortable running Logan Thompson and Laurent Brossois? Yeah, or, or you make a trade for, like, a Semyon and run and trade back, like, Brossois. Um, do I think that Leonard is great at this point in his career, especially going into the season where he's going to be playing like right off of an injury. No. It was just tough because he, he was a really good goalie. He was a really good goalie. Yeah. He was also had the back of flurry backing him up in Vegas or like with him side by side in Vegas. Um, I love what Logan Thompson did in front of a shit team last year towards the end yeah. of the season. He played great. Mm-hmm. Um, I hated what Lauren Brossois did. Towards- oh, he sucked. I thought um, going out of Winnipeg, I, I said I named Laurent Brossois as kind of the Anthony Stolars of now. 
to be a guy that if he had a chance, I think he can pull a starting position because he's been behind Connor Hellebuck his whole career. Eric Comrie this year? Eric Comrie this year. Why is it all Winnipeg Jets goalies? I don't know. But he sucked when he was given the opportunity. Oh, he did. And Logan Thompson was very good. I like to point out that Pew Suter absolutely snizzed Brassois, though. Later, Brassois. Mm-hmm. Brassois proved he was a second-string goalie, like a definitely backup goalie. Well, the Red Wings have two starting goalies, potentially. It's true. I I mean, do you have Nick Hag? (laughs) That is true. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not saying I want it to happen. I'm just saying. I'm throwing out there. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say names. You. You. The fans get to choose who I'm talking about. Yusiel Kanora. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Very nice. Very nice. My boy. Very nice. Very nice. Um. Yeah. Unless you guys have anything else, I think it's gonna wrap this one up. Um. I would like to mention. I should have mentioned this earlier on. Not a good host to me, but we got a giveaway going on. It's our first giveaway as a podcast. Kind of cool. Um, we are giving away five free copies of Dauber Hockey's Fantasy Prospects Report and the Fantasy Hockey Guide. So how to enter? It's on Twitter right now, which I'm. I'll try to link it in this episode and the uh, description. But how to enter? Follow us on Twitter at TPL Pod and follow Dauber Hockey at Dauber Hockey. Like and retweet the post. And we're picking winners um, next Monday, eight or twenty-two, so August twenty-second. Yeah, kind of fun. Uh, help you with your fantasy pools this year, especially if playing for keeps. I'm going to use it in the uh, TPL pool that we will be doing this year and hopefully take over Andy's throne that he won last year. So it should be yeah, interesting. I'm going to get my cash for that. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, Grant may or may not own Andy a substantial amount of money. It's <laughs> It's a decent amount of money. The mob's been after me. <laughs> it's a good Andy sends Andy sends shooters. Yeah. I, uh, I coming up. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's gonna do it for this one. Uh thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh leave a leave a review on Apple Pod. Uh helps with the the ratings. Follow us on Twitter again, even if you're not gonna do the the uh giveaway. Still follow us. It's good stuff. Especially for the world juniors right now. We're a little more active. Uh yeah. Uh, check out Inside the Rink as well. I got articles going up pretty frequently. I'm working on a Philip Sedina piece right now, so I'll be out within this week. Yeah, thank you everyone for tuning in. <laughs>